Hi, hey, everybody, again. <laughs> Welcome, Welcome to Home on the RNG. We're so glad you could join us. We are glad you could join us here in Pandemic America. Because today we are talking about a game that Russ loves. I do love this game. After making me play Quest 64, uh, I really needed this. You know how I operate at this point. Is if you're going to expose me to something, if you're going to expose me to some plain yogurt, then you then need to give me like a zesty, like a nice chocolate peanut butter sundae with whipped cream and a cherry. This game is kind of zesty. I could something, yeah. yeah, something, something good, something like a good palate cleanser. So with it, some flavor. It has been two years since we played Trails in the Sky one. Yeah, and here we are. Because finally it didn't now. captivate you, apparently. It didn't. I mean, with, yeah. and I'll address that in my personal history. But uh, here we are with Trails in the Sky, two. So let's go ahead and get into personal history. Trails in the Sky 2, I played Trails in the Sky 1 on PSP when it came out in, I want to say, 2010, 2011, somewhere around there, and and it was already an old game at that point. Um, it was, I think it came out in Japan in 2004, it was like a PC game, um, but then they finally started localizing them, but there was a lot of uh, localization hell to get Trails in the Sky 2 and 3 translated, so it was at least four years. I don't think this one came out until 2015. So it was like a four-year wait between playing the first one and playing the second one, which is terrible when you consider that the first one ended on such a dramatic, dramatic cliffhanger. cliffhanger. So then I played this one because I kept up with the news about the translation for like four years and played this one just immediately when it came out on Steam. Apparently one of the main reasons that the Crossbell games, which take place between this series and Cold Steel, didn't get translated was because they felt like they were falling behind translation-wise. Yeah. Like, alright, let's just catch up. Yeah, by the time they got Cold Sky 2 and 3 out, they were already a couple of games into Cold Steel, the, the, the current series. So. so, this is my first time playing this game, but... Uh, I was resistant to playing Trails in the Sky 1 just because of how insistent Russ was on the series. And that always kind of makes me nervous when people are, like, really gung-ho about something. So, really, my, my relationship with the series is kind of similar to the Persona series, where Russ and Rachel were hounding me to play Persona 3 and 4. And finally, I played 3, and it was fine. It was interesting. It was different. It was okay. And then I just kind of went on with my life. Later, I picked up four, finally, and it was amazing, and I became a true Hooked Persona fan. This is a similar thing. We played one a while ago, and it was good. It was well-constructed. It was fine. A little long, but it was all right. I just I had no urge to play two, but on my own, I picked up Cold Steel 1, because I wanted to play JRPG, and I wanted to see where this series was going. Like, how good is it going to get? And Cold Steel 1... Damn. And it also taught me that I think I was playing the first game wrong. <laughs> How so? These games are meant to be played at a slower pace. Oh, yes. They are slow burn games. This, the, this game, and I, 
I'm not saying that there is a right or wrong way to play the game. I'm saying I played it the wrong way for me to enjoy it as much as I could. So I'm not here to gatekeep and be like, if you're not playing these games this way, you're doing it wrong. No, I played it wrong for me. Because you need to take the time to talk to the NPCs and to search out the hidden side quests and to collect all the collectibles. You meander yeah. through a Trails game. If you're sprinting to the finish, you are missing 70% of the game. Yeah. The game is about immersion in the world. So if you're Very not immersing so. yourself in the world then I do feel like, yeah, you probably won't enjoy the game. And much. I was playing Sky 1 more like an A to Z game. Let, me, let yeah. me get through the mission. Let me do the story. These games are these games have a good story, but these games are not all about the story. It's about the world and the people in it. Yeah. So speaking of, let's go ahead and get into the story and character. Yay! This is the first time I've had to say this, but uh, this will contain spoilers for the first game. <laughs> so if you care about that, you should probably listen to our review of the yeah. first game or play the first game or whatever you need to do. I've never had to do that before because JRPGs no don't game. generally do that. Right. No game has mattered like this. Our game takes place the morning after Joshua, one of the main characters from the first game, is revealed to be a sleeper agent for the shadowy organization Ouroboros. He flees before he can pose a threat to his adopted family. Estelle, his stepsister and love interest, must <laughs> search the world to find him and bring him back home. The whole Estelle and Joshua thing doesn't creep me out, and here's why. It's because they didn't meet until they were, like, in puberty. So, yeah, he calls Estelle's dad, dad. But he's more of, like, just the kid from down the street whose parents abandoned him. And he just has to kind of crash at your house. Yeah, it's, it's not, not like as he was bad. raised from birth into this family, like we will see in the Cold uh, Steel series. But they didn't meet until they were, like, 12. By the way, the and number... we're starting to notice boys and girls and to have those feelings. Joshua and Estelle are 16 in this, yeah. and the number of adults hitting on 16-year-old Estelle is very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's 16. Yeah. Everybody just take a cold shower. Yeah, It's so ongoing in the Trail series that everybody has the hots for the main character. Regardless of age. <laughs> Based on how long to beat, and this one's very variable because there's a new game plus, and there's collectibles and all that. But your first run through is going to be around 70 hours. Yeah. That's Just, if you really, that's for the immersion. Well, that's. If you really immerse yourself. That's not full immersion. That's. Yeah, that's uh, normal immersion. Yeah. Medium immersion. Yeah, I tried to find a good average of if you invested yeah. in it basically as much as I do. I do most of the side quests, but if I miss one or two, it doesn't break my heart. Yeah. There is a little bit of replayability to this, because early on you pick who, since Joshua's gone, you just have Estelle. And you get to pick if Scheherazade or Agate are going to be your second yes. character. And who did you pick? I picked Agate. Okay, cool. We didn't plan this, but I picked Shara. So, I, I feel like it made some changes in the story for at yeah. least the first half. Yes. 
It's a it, definitely, definitely, definitely for those parts in the beginning when it's just Estelle and whoever she picks traveling around. Um, and I really liked that. I really liked that there was that choice. So one of the biggest deals about this game is NPCs. Yes. And I almost completely missed this in the first game because I played the first game wrong. But in most JRPGs, I, I would talk to every NPC once. Yes. And that generally covers it. Maybe through certain events, you might want to talk to everybody in the town a second time mm. after the town is blown up by terrorists or whatever. But generally, that's it. In these games, the NPC dialogue changes constantly. Like, every story event changes NPCs, where they are, what they're doing, what they say. And they all have new dialogue. Mm. Uh, the best example I have is Anton and Ricky. <laughs> Anton and Ricky are two NPCs that show up in every Trails game, as far as I have been able yeah. to determine. In Trails 2, there is a small achievement if you can manage to get all 16 of Anton's dialogue options. Yeah. And some of them are very obscure. Some of them, just like some of the hidden missions in these games, require you to... The game's like, oh my gosh, there's something of vital emergency in that building right next door! <laughs> and instead, in order to unlock this one hidden mission or get this one collectible, instead of going right next door because there's a time bomb about to go off, yeah. you have to travel to the other end of the map and go into a random building yeah. that you've been in 50 times before and there was never anything there, and now there will be something. In this case, it'll be Anton, and he'll say something new. Yeah. Like, and, in mo and I will say this. In most games, that actually irritates me. I know that it irritates me in Tales games. Not Trails games. <laughs> but Tales games does a lot of that, and it irritates me there. But in Trails, for some reason, because I just, I guess, just love the world and love the characters and the, and the immersion that I have in it, that doesn't bother me at all. I want to run around and find everybody and talk to everybody and find out what is going on in this very detailed plot. Yeah, this is very much, you have to have a different mindset. You have to have a kickback and relaxed mindset yeah. to get the most out of this. Before I talk about a couple of things that I dislike story-wise mm -hmm. and structure-wise... Why don't you begin the character discussion? So the characters are largely the same cast we had from the first game. We have the adorable Tita, the mechanic. Uh, we have Sailor Mercury. We have um, <laughs> we have Agate and Shara, who are like the big brother, big sister, um, surrogate, stand-in sort of characters. We have Zin, the big muscle man. Um, so the new characters... The, the the main new character we have is Father Kevin. And Father Kevin is a priest, but he is... He's an adventure priest. He's an adventure priest. He's got, he's a kind of a battle priest. He's, he's Indiana Jones, really. Yeah. He belongs to a secret part of the church that hunts down artifacts, which are objects from the hyper-advanced civilization in the ancient past that can do all sorts of magical yeah. things. And his job is to get them out of the public circulation so that nobody gets hurt. Yes, exactly. So he is an action-adventure priest. And he's a fun character. I thought he would... He hits on Estelle a little bit too much, but... That's the adults hitting on the 16-year-old yeah. again. Although he's only, like, 19, maybe. 
Yeah, I never really got got a good. I would think he's twenty because he can drink, right? Oh yeah, probably he can drink. But anyway, I never could get a total nail on how old Kevin was. But I ended up liking him. He's not he's not like Ron Far and Lunar. No. He's not like problematically lecherous and gross. No, he's just very he's easy just very going. Way, laid back and easy going and not what you would think of a priest. And he has green hair and I like green haired characters. Um So all your favorites are back. All your favorites are back, plus really good new character, um and really good villains. I really like the villains in this game. Let me and get... I think you and I kind of disagree on that. Okay, let me but, get to that in a yeah. second. Uh there are two things that I dislike about this game that I think count against it. The structure of the story in this one is very similar to the structure in the first. And that's a negative point, I feel. Because the first game is about learning this new world that you're in. And the story comes up with a very inventive reason for you to go everywhere and learn everything. You are a bracer. The bracer guild in this series is kind of like a citizen's help group. Yeah. They are independent of military or government. They exist. You can go and ask a bracer, hey, I need somebody to guard my caravan as it goes into the next town. Or, hey, I need somebody to babysit my cat. And they treat all of them with equal importance. Yeah. Um, So when your characters are becoming bracers in the first game, we are told the rule is you go to each of the five regions of of our little country and perform some tasks, meet some people, and then you'll be qualified as a bracer. Yeah. So it gives you a great excuse to... It's a great introduction to this world. Yeah. And this world is laid out circular around a giant lake. So you just... You do the circle. Yeah. And then you deal with the end-of-game plot stuff. Yeah. Then we come to two. The plot of two is to find Joshua and to investigate this shadowy organization... Run around the circle to each of the five countries, and in each five... In the opposite direction. Actually, you can pick which direction. Yeah, that's true. But you have to go to each of the five. There you will unravel a mystery specific to that region and get a piece of the larger picture, which is how the first one functioned, too. Yeah. It's exactly the same structure again. Then you go run around the donut again (laughs) because it's time to... um, Fix the phones. The phones, yeah. The phones... Due to a plot event, um, the technology all stops working due to a significant plot event uh, that I'm just not going into. I'm not even really trying to avoid spoilers. It's just all technology stops working and your characters figure out how to get the phones up and working. And to do that, you have to run around to each of the five regions again to fix the phone and uncover a piece of the mystery. Then you have to go to... The four towers. So you have to run around to the four four of the five sections again. again to climb to the top of these towers that I guarantee you, if you're doing any side quests at all, you've done them at you've climbed to the top at least once already. Well, but now there's new dungeons and normal reason, but now they're part of like extra dimensional space. So you go around the donut a third time before you unlock the new zone. And another reason I you, I mean, my frustration's pretty clear on that, right? It is. And part of it is, in the first game, when you did that, in each region, you got introduced to new characters as part of it. Yeah. Right? I'm new to this region. Here's my new characters. It gave you an excuse to learn all the characters. This one doesn't do that. This one, fairly rapidly for a Trails game, unlocks all the characters from the first yeah. one, for the most part. 
So you're not too far into it before you can just pick your party that you like yeah. and run around the kingdom in a circle three times and then go to the final area. Yeah. One of the reasons... I, Trails of Cold Steel also, the first game, is very formulaic. Mm-hmm. Right? It follows a school schedule, then at this time of the month you go on an adventure to, this, to uh, another city and then you come back. Then the second game completely breaks that routine and that's why that works mm-hmm. so well is they set up an expectation breaking up the routine brings home to you shit is going down in this country yeah. because nothing is normal anymore whereas this game it's hey remember the first game do that three times the story is still good it's the structure of it that is not doing them any favors because you're doing the same thing over and over and over again so that's one of my big problems. Mm-hmm. Is and I, for the record, just feel I actually agree completely on, I mean, what you're saying, but I just feel the total opposite. I love the familiarity of it. I love the fact that you went around in the first game and you met all these new people and you unlocked all these new areas, and then you're having to go around again and, and solve again and again like bigger problems there. I will give you the phone thing. The phone thing is dumb. The phone thing is totally busy work, unneeded. We're just trying to pad this game out. So I will give you the phone thing. But the first time that you go back around to all the other regions, and even going back around to the towers, I feel is actually a very good structure. It was very... I liked it. I liked it a lot. I and, like the story. I dislike this repetitive rep, structure. And because I say, that's kind of where I, I really liked the villains in this game. Because as you're going around to each one of those other regions, you're meeting a member of Ouroboros. And sort oh, of getting their oh, story. Oh, great. We're going to pronounce their... that one differently, too. That's well, I'm fun. pronouncing it like they pronounce it in the yeah, game. They pronounce it wrong in the game. Okay. Um, but that's... So this is less of a complaint and more, I just found this deeply amusing. (laughs) So at the beginning of, the very beginning of the game, the idea is, oh, it turns out that Joshua is secretly a member of Ouroboros, which is a top secret terrorist organization that the Bracer Guild isn't even sure actually exists. Mm -hmm. It's like Estelle's dad said, hey, I encountered this secret organization. They're called Ouroboros. They're real bad, and he couldn't prove it. And so the Bracer Guild's like, we think they might exist because the cool guy said they might exist, Mm -hmm. but we've never proven it. Like, we've never had any concrete proof at all. And then each region that you go to, as you uncover the big mystery that's going on in that region, it's, you know, the cape comes off and, (laughs) I am the enforcer of a robberous. Like, they all identify themselves like, this is a secret organization we didn't think even existed, but everywhere we go, it's, I am a secret member of Ouroboros! You have found me! <laughs> so the reason they're doing that, this is my rebuttal to that, That's... the reason they're doing that is because this society has been secret for many, many years, but now they're about to carry out their plan. So they don't care about being a secret organization anymore. They are just like, now we have to actually enact this plan to suck up all of the technology in the kingdom. So now we are going to announce ourselves to the kids that are trying to stop us. So again, uh, it just doesn't bother me. Well, because it, I see, I feel like I see what they're going for there. It doesn't bother me per se. It amuses me more than okay. anything. There's a secret organization. We're not even sure that they exist. 
We exist. I'm one of them. So's she. So's he. We're all members. Yeah. In fact, here's our membership cards. Let me tell you which <laughs> number I am. Because they all announce they all their name, their number, and their code name. Yeah. Because in this universe, which I think is kind of neat, any significantly powered individual has a code name. Yes. Whether they're good guys or bad guys. You know, the Radiant Blade Master, mm -hmm. the Avenging Wind. Uh, yeah. They all, and I the think that's kind of The Angel of Slaughter. The Angel of Slaughter, yes. Yeah. The, the, that's the daughter of Sergeant Slaughter from yeah. G.I. Joe. Right. Angel Slaughter. They do a really good job of making the Enforcers seem powerful in the beginning because you never actually get to fight them. Right. The first time you meet them, for one reason or another, they throw minions at you and escape so that you can't even experience how much more powerful yeah. than you they are. Because if you could put me in a fight with them and I can do any damage to them at all, they're not as terrifying as the game mm, is trying sure. to make you think right. they are. So they do a good job of that. Uh, another thing they this game does a good job of, there aren't a lot of animated cutscenes, but the ones that exist are really great. Mm -hmm. Lots of action, looks good, feels good. Yeah. Anyway, so did you want to talk about some of the Ouroboros characters? Yeah, I like. so what I like about them, it's just a very, I feel like it's a very, like, thing that I like because I grew up watching anime. So each of the character, each of the villains, the enforcers of Ouroboros, are kind of like somehow related, or I should say most of them, are kind of somehow related to the characters you have in your party. Like there's Luciola, who was kind of like a big sister to Shara back when they were in the circus. So they have a bunch of stuff to work out. And then Walter was the like... The dire wolf. The dire wolf was like the son of a martial arts master and Zin, who's in your party, was his other pupil, and he taught Zin how to do the big bear claw attack or whatever. <laughs> and he didn't teach Walter, his own son, so there's jealousy there. So I like that. And then, of course, there's Luve or Leonhardt or whatever you want to call him, who was like Joshua's big brother. So I like the fact that each one of these Ouroboros characters... And then there's Rin, and Rin is not in a background story way related to any of the characters but does develop this like sister relationship with Estelle in the middle of the game yeah. which I really like because Rin is like 12 and she's pretending to be just this innocent little girl that lost her parents and it Did turns not out fool me for a second. And it turns out that she is actually the angel of slaughter the angel of slaughter she's very mentally broken she had some really bad stuff happen to her um, and now she runs around with a giant scythe, killing people. And a giant robot. And a giant robot, yes. Uh, Potter Motter, which means mother-father. Yes. Which is very effed up when you know about her past. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. But I like how each of those characters is like a shadow of one of the one of your heroes. One of your, part of your team. Yeah. I like that. No, I think that's good that the emotional ties that they create are great. And another thing I like with the characters is kind of an overall thing. One of my favorite moments in this game comes near the end of the game when Estelle basically surrenders and basically says, yes, I will go on your ship and I will talk to you and all the rest of my party needs to stay behind for your safety and for the sake of Joshua and my father and whatever, I'm just, I'm going to go on this ship and I'm just going to talk to you. I'm going to be a willing prisoner. 
and she kind of walks around the ship and she talks to everybody and they want her to join like they want her to join a similar the situation to this happens in the cold Steel it does series. it does and i like that part in that game too i i do too it gave the it gave the enemies depth it gave the enemies depth and it also is why estelle is my favorite protagonist of all the trails games because the thing that Estelle lacks, you have so many, especially nowadays, you have so many, like, grim, dark, yes. brooding heroes. But Estelle really can't join Ouroboros because Estelle doesn't have a dark past. Estelle is just a kind, happy, chipper, energetic, open-minded, lovely girl. And she really can't be part of this organization. She can't be one of these enforcers. There is there is a hidden rule that we kind of learn about yeah. that to attain enforcer rank, you have to be broken in some yes, way. Yes, exactly. And Estelle is not broken at all. Estelle is like the shining light in everybody's lives. And I just, I just love her for that. And I think that's a really... I think that's a very well-orchestrated moment in the game where it, it humanizes the villain's... And then at the same time kind of reiterates why Estelle is so amazing and why Estelle is not going to lose to these people because she doesn't have the brokenness in her that they do. Nope, she's a healer, not a breaker. She is. So let's go ahead and move on to what's actually going to be a short conversation, mm -hmm. and that is the combat system. Oh, that helps. I don't have my diving oh, I feel better. <laughs> so the combat system is largely unchanged. Yeah. It's still grid-based, movement and attack range matter, order of turns is visible and manipulatable, right. EP for spells, CP for crafts, supercharged craft attacks can be performed out of order. It's largely, oh, it's almost identical to the first game. It is. There Except is a new feature. For, yeah, I was going to say, the new feature. The the chain system, where you can spend some CP to double-team an enemy, essentially, yeah. to, to get you and a buddy to beat on them at yes, once. exactly. Uh, which I don't think I even use that often, really. Oh, I used it. I, I used it quite a bit. I, to I, take that when I was like, I know this enemy is going to die if I have these two people team up and go after it. I, I did that a lot. I generally save my CP for S-break maneuvers so mm -hmm. I can yeah. just bust out the mega attack. Yeah, I was kind of the opposite, and I, I use CP pretty liberally. I like. I also kind of want to mention in the battle system, this is a thing that I've loved about the whole Trail series is that you don't start back at level one. No. So you've had you've had your adventure in the first game, and your characters retain that experience from the first game. You don't start at literally the same level that you started in the other game, but you start, like, at level 40 or something, and you have, like, all your skills that you learned over the course of the first game, and some of those power up, and some of them it's just that you have them. For the game, and I really, I really like that. I really like that they're not. They didn't come up with some kind of plot reason that we're going to start you from level one with fifty HP, and you're just going to have to have to build it all up again. Like you're really. Although they do have to then create like a throwaway line mm -hmm. about why how the monsters are now harder, <laughs> because <laughs> otherwise, you know, right. well, the monsters yeah. would be level one as well. And then you have a new, you get new orbments 
at the beginning of the game so you can recreate your orbment all over again. Yeah, because they have to give you something to spend orbments on to level up. Yeah, we're we're kind of getting into innovations here, so let's go ahead and okay. get into innovations. Okay. innovation that i love so. <laughs> the the game actually like he said it uses save data from the first game it remembers quests that you completed uh it remembers so, to some degree the level you were at the high it rounds it yeah in a in a way it reminds me of the quest for glory series because this ability to load a saved game from your previous adventure into your next one is so rare uh suikoden one and two did it mm-hmm. quest for glory did it I think I'm out. I mean, to an extent, Digital Devil Saga does it. That's a very that's a very deep cut right there. So, uh, also, I don't know if I noticed this in the first game, but right away, <clears throat> when very early on in this game, it's raining, and <laughs> they actually have the rain occasionally splatter on the screen. Yes, it's just yeah. it's a it's a great little effect. I yeah. just wanted to point out that's a great little effect. There is a. Re- ridiculous amount of detail in this game and i did not notice this in the first game but so much so that after you open a treasure chest (laughs) (laughs) if you look at that chest again each one has a unique message about how it's empty yeah there is even a hidden story in this one or is it the next one it's the next it's actually the third one well then there's not a hidden story (laughs) um but they just have neat little messages about like you opened the chest and all you found were cobwebs. I don't know if I mentioned this in the first one. I certainly wasn't as aware of it, but the entire Trail series has an interesting approach to the problem of grinding. Mm-hmm. The amount of XP you get is proportional to the difference in your levels and the level of the monsters you're defeating. Right. Which means there is no point to grinding. Yeah. If you are fighting... Uh, if you're just sitting there and fighting the same monsters over and over and over and over, eventually they only start giving you like one XP. Yeah. They're, you're just wasting your time. But say you've got a party member that you almost never use. For example, I don't use Sailor Mercury. Yeah. I okay. just don't. She's not... What is her real name? Chloe. Chloe. Claudia. Claudia. Princess Claudia. But on a rare occasion when you did have to use her, well, now she's a little under under-leveled compared to everybody yeah. else, but... Because she's lower leveled, she levels up so much faster at, at the end of a battle. Way more experience. Yes. Yeah. So you catch up fast, but you can never get ahead. Yeah. It's it's a very good system. And I how dare you not use Sacred Mercury. She's precious. She's a precious child. Her S break was a healing thing. That's why she's so great. I don't need an S break. Okay. That's a healing move. I need S breaks that deal damage. <laughs> So it's, but it is a great system. It's a good way to catch up so that you don't have to worry about the fact that you're not using... You're not even spreading out the characters that you're using. Yeah. So also like the last game, you can save anywhere. Monsters don't drop money. They drop these crystals that you can trade in for money, which mm-hmm. is a neat way around the why is a monster carrying a bag of gold mm-hmm. thing. And I would like to take a moment here. We're already about half an hour in, so maybe this won't be as long a discussion as I thought. But I want to talk about how much I love JRPG airships. Okay, sure. I I wish I could... I don't do, like, model cars or model planes yeah, or anything. Uh-huh. But if I could buy model kits of JRPG <laughs> airships, 
I would build them and display them proudly. <laughs> because I think they're such an interesting concept. Yeah. Because they never look like planes. They always look right. fantastic. Yeah. Well, they're a ship. They're an airship. Yeah, exactly. They're a very... And, and they're very different from series to series. I mean, yeah. think about the airships in this game versus Final Fantasy IV. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the idea. I love that they're ubiquitous, too. Like, it never surprises you when you're playing a JRPG and it's like, oh, let's hop on the airship. You're like, oh, of course there's airships. <laughs> right. right? It is such a normal part of the culture of a JRPG that it's kind of a given. Yeah, there's airships. I really, I really like the, I don't remember what they're called, the ones that the Dominions drive, the priests. Like, Kevin has one. <laughs> yeah, that, that little, the little scooter. That little scooter airship, that jet plane thing that he has. I love those. I would get, like, little mini pigs of, uh, <laughs> of those little priest airships. So, uh, just... And Trails in the Sky 1 and 2, really, I'm convinced that the name is a reference to just the sheer number of airships. Which makes 3 a disappointment uh, for that and many other reasons. Well, the name Trails in the Sky actually comes from that song that Olivier sings about Trails in the Skies. But I see, but I get what you're saying. I think yeah. it's because of airships, and then Trails of Cold Steel is because trains well, feature yeah, more Trails prominently. Well, yeah, Cold Steel is because of trains. Yeah, all right. But what does Trails of Zero mean? Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows the trouble I've wondered. Um, so that's it for innovations. Normally there's a lot more to talk about in innovations, but these games are built really well in terms of cohesiveness. Yeah. They don't. It doesn't reinvent itself from game to game. No. Uh, there's tweaks, but each little series of Trails games are mostly the same. Exactly. So we will go ahead and move into music. I forgot to include this in personal history because when I talk about personal history, I forget to include the regular history. Uh, Trails in the Sky 2 was developed by Falcom. Their other franchise of note is the East series, YS, uh, which we'll get to one day in the far, far future. In the West, it was published by Exceed Games in 2015, mm. despite being originally released in Japan in 2006. Yeah. Part of that is just the sheer amount of translation yeah, involved. this was a translation nightmare. But, Russ, talk to us about music. So there are many composers for this game. We have Hayato Sonoda, we have Takahiro Unisuga, we have Yukihiro Jindo, and we have Ryu Takashita. Um, we, so Jindo, Yukihiro Jindo, uh, mostly composed for the East series and the Trail series, um, Takashita left Falcom after Trails 3, but has worked on an impressive number of projects. But they're all in Japanese, really and I don't recognize about. any of yeah. them. Uh, um, this, this group of four did all of Trails in the Sky. The 1, 2, and 3. And I believe Ryu left, but the other three continued to work on the series. Yeah. The soundtrack has range. It does. It's a good soundtrack. I, however, <coughs> am not like move as much as i love these games i'm not captured by the music in these games like i am chrono cross or chrono trigger sure or a final Fantasy. but i do like their energy especially like the battle music yeah. it's very up tempo 
it it sounds like a really fast lounge act with horns. Yeah. Like it's got energy to it. I do find myself because I've been playing Trails in the Trails of Cold Steel Four. I do find myself singing along to the beats of the uh, vi- battle victory music every time I finish a battle. <laughs> I just kind <laughs> of keep humming along to that tune. So that's not to say that it's not infectious, but it just doesn't grab me like other JRPG sure. music. But uh, it, it's solid. It, it's it's better than utilitarian. It does yeah. it does more than its job. But it, and I, I can definitely when I hear it, I de- especially like the battle music, like things you hear over and over. I definitely catch on to like, oh yeah, that's the trails battle music. Yeah, which, it's got some high energy. There's a lot of guitar. Yeah, uh, which is unusual in a JRPG, but I like the sound of it. It gives it a more modern sound. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's music and background history because i forgot to do that (laughs) uh so we will move on now to russ's final thoughts goes without saying that i love this game i'm the one that pressured jeff into even playing these games and reviewing them to begin with even though he was so apprehensive and i caused so much distress for him um but yeah i just i love this game i love this world it's hard for me to sit here and judge an individual trails game because i've played almost all of them and they all build on each other so much it's hard to be like oh i really love trails in the sky too but i really don't like trails of cold steel too which is absolutely not true because i love all of them and i think they work good individually and they work good as a greater whole the world is just generally not generally genuinely the most immersive like rpg world that i have ever experienced and i just want to live in it and like be friends with these people and just abandon my boring adult life. <laughs> um, you want to be a bracer? I want to be a bracer. But not I'm the really... combat one. You want to be the one that cat sits. Well, I can be yeah, I can be the cat sitter one. I could be I could be the bracer receptionist. There you I go. Would love oh to yes. Be like Jean or Kilika or Ina. I would love to be the You bracer found one. your dream job. That is my dream job. And I know we're not talking about it, but in Trails of Cold Steel Three there is actually a quest where you help a guy become a bracer receptionist. <laughs> so I feel like that is made for me. Um, Just like in Legend of Mana, helping a centaur find love yes, was made for was me. was made for you. Um, so I, I love these games. I'm giving it five pairs of Strega tennis shoes out of five. <laughs> they are Estelle's favorite tennis shoes. Yeah, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. I, I, I am a big fan of this series. I have since we played the first one I have become a huge fan just in the last year I've become a huge fan of this series. The only thing that detracts in this game is like I talked about the the repetitive padding nature of it. I felt like it could have been streamlined or the pattern could have been disrupted in some way or another. I just like okay, once again around the big circle, but the story was good, the characters are great, the world in depth and breadth. I'm giving it an A minus. And that minus is for the structural issues, but uh, great game. Very enjoyable. Yay. Uh, if they want to play Trails in the Sky 2... If you want to play Trails in the Sky 2, you really need to do Steam. It is also technically a PSP game, but given that the PSP 
store is being shut down. PS3, PSP, and PS Vita stores. You, I actually went ahead and bought one and two on down. my Vita, but not um, three. Because as I have of the taste. time that we're recording this, those stores are shutting down in about three or four months. By the time you hear this, it's too late. It's too late. So, but you can get it on Steam, and that's a better version anyway. So, um, yeah, get get Steam. Get yourself a PC. Get a Steam account. Play Trails in the, in the Sky 1 and 2. So next time we will begin our journey into a, another franchise that Russ pressured me into playing and I ultimately ended up loving. That said, that he pressured me into playing 3 and 4 and I've never played the first game. <laughs> so uh, join us next time as we experience Persona 1. Or as it was originally known, Revelations Persona. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Home on the RNG is a presentation of Mad Centaur Productions. You can find Jeff on youtube.com slash centaur productions or on Twitter at Jeff Centaur. You can find Russ on Twitter at RussMac25. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this podcast with you.